Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Oops. Oops. What the hell? Yes, I didn't hit stop after current. Anyway, well, well, hello again, fellow basement dwellers. Spoiler alert, the uh, live studio audience isn't live. Curtain pulled back. It's shocked. I'm sure you all really had no idea that, that you know, this, this everyone, this is the real. This is, it is a real. It is a real. Now watch. Watch. Here it goes. TheChairShot.com. That's how Always the sound bites work. use your head. And with that auspicious beginning, welcome everyone to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Yes, this is Patrick O'Dowd. He has returned after a week off. A little rough to start. Already got PC Tunney laughing into the air. I am here with a full bandwagon, one week removed from the Nerdomania episode, which, fellas, I just love. Loved it so much. Loved it so much that I never want to do another Nerdomania. It should just stay in um, the archives as the one shining moment of Nerdomania on Bandwagon Hurts. You can enshrine it in a Hall of Fame. I feel like you guys don't believe me. I am joined, by the way, everyone. I am joined by the lawyer himself, David Ongar, the live studio audience, Mr. Saturday Night PC Tunney. The Reverend Ray Cash, who are what are you are you the tinkerer today? Are you are so, you the tinkerer? So uh full disclosure, um my agency has no bounds. Well th- well that's number one, yes. But um also I dropped my phone in the tub with me yesterday. So there you go. Yeah, I hear so if I'm you put rice that. in it and then cook it in a microwave, that'll make it better. Well, so I don't know about the cooking part, but yeah, the rice thing I was gonna do, but I was able to dry it off yesterday and it was working fine. Even got it to charge. And then today, about an hour before we started recording, the screen just went off. Now I can still feel it's working, but the screen just died. Were you taking that Patty Mahomes jazz bath? No, that's after we beat the Giants today. Oh, okay. 
Somebody. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's celebratory. Giants fans are insufferable. Anyway, yeah. going to the Super Bowl we, after four weeks. <laughs> we are a week removed from from the Nerdomania episode. I am back. Thank you, gentlemen. I did go to what I would argue was the most disappointing concert I've ever attended in Daryl Hall and John Oates. However, the evening itself was not a complete watch. I did have a great time while out there. Uh, my my one comment about the concert in my absence, Daryl Hall, what jerk? This is well, like kind it. of a it is a bitch girl, so I'm just saying. No, she's a rich girl, and she's gone too far. Um, and then it's a bitch. But yeah, no, it was it was it was interesting. I I missed you guys. I missed the show. I I'm sure P, I heard PC Tunney was crushed that we didn't talk about Lock and Key episode two. So thankfully, we're gonna get to that today, just for Tunney. I know he's very excited to talk about it. Um. Kind of, you know, got a loaded show. We're going to talk a lot of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe news later today. Because, guys, some rumors never die. And I'm sure everybody knows what we mean as we get into this. But we're going to talk. We're going to talk some MCU news and rumors. We're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about the Naked Gun. We're going to talk about that She-Hulk finale. But before we get into any of that, we are going to talk... Lock and Key, Season 3, Episode 2. Dave, I know you got the music. Play that music for us while Tunny looks like he smelled a fart in the car. Are we just talking two or two and three? What are we doing here? Two. Two. We're only talking two. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Because um, I watched oh, three as well because we skipped last week. Now, see, that means you do what you didn't do last week. I, and you know how I feel about doubling up episodes, don't we, Tony? I don't care what you do. I watched <laughs> three as well. Yeah, you can pick whatever you want to do. Well. You already heard my suggestion, Marsha. Okay. <laughs> You all right, let's get this fucker oh, over with. Why don't, we, why don't we just do the rest of the episodes next week and get it over with, huh? Let's get this fucker over with. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like a band-aid. He even agrees with me, Dave. We, we heard him today. Here's, today. The, here's the funny thing. Today was the first, the t- this episode, and, and I watched this this morning before we recorded. This was the first time. Uh-oh. Am I still there? You're good. Uh, this was the first episode where I actually like yelled at the television screen, pissed off, and was like, "Oh come on!" Because lock and key at this point, and Ray, I'm just gonna mute. Oh, you've muted yourself. Thank you, because I, I don't need to hear any. Well, I don't even know what the fuck we heard last week. So I don't. I don't know. That we, I this is the first time where I was, the, the the big the big thing that I I, I finally got tired of was. Finding a new key and doing the absolute stupidest thing possible when finding a new key in a house where you've established the lore that you should maybe stop and think before you do something. Like, 
the fact that every time we find a key, we instantly use it and, and fuck things up or do something bad. Like that, that, that insanity needs to end. And not only was it because it, um, happened again, but during this like really important event around the house, you're telling me that Bodhi is so stupid that he would immediately start using a key that he's found minutes before his uncle's wedding. Like, like even Bodhi's not that dumb and they, they made him that dumb. And that I was just like, Oh, come on. Hold on. Give me a break. Tony, you've seen episode three, right? Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't worry, Pat. Wait till episode worse. three. Oh God. <laughs> Everything you just said amplified by 10. Okay. I, I mean, at least, at least I know they're sticking with that direction. This, this, this I'll just say it. And I, and I know you guys are annoyed with me because I'm going to make you watch this whole show, but I, I am, I am one for, for sticking with, with precedent. This show should have ended last season. I, I officially agree that this show should have ended last season. They should have brought this to a resolution because this is, this is treading water in the worst kind of way with a villain we don't care about. And, and we've just stopped making any level of sense, you know? And, and I'm, I, I just, am kind of flabbergasted. Like what the hell happened here? You know, Tyler's back, doesn't have any memories. He doesn't want any memories. We've learned that alcohol in a callback to the first episode will cause you to remember effects from the keys in your past. Ugh. You know, Frederick Gideon, I'm like, who cares about Frederick Gideon? So Dave, Dave, focusing on episode two and not how much worse it gets on episode three. What the hell, man? Why, like, what, what the hell is, what the hell are we doing here? See, without giving away anything that happens in episode three, I, I'm not like you guys and just say, fuck. And I'll tell you, I don't know what you thought. I mean, we, we'll talk about it next week. I thought three, to some extent, got things back on track and made things a little bit more interesting. But at the same time, did some really dumb shit as well. And I think the biggest problem is is what you're... Here's the thing. And we'll talk more next week when you see this, Pat. But just keep this in mind. Bodie, through the first two seasons of the show, was the MVP, right? I think we all agree on that. He was the one that we looked to when everybody else was doing stupid shit. This little kid seemed to have it together. He knew what was going on. He understood the ramifications of things. And then you get to season three... And they've gone the complete opposite direction with this character to the point that none of it's believable. It's like, how did he regress in every possible way so badly? And that continues and, this in, in episode three. They do do it. I don't even. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, man. They, they do. They do an interesting twist in three that that I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll wait till we talk about it next week. I mean, there's some fundamental stupid shit that he does, but. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I, I think I mentioned it to Tony last week. I felt like they're almost like dumbing, like suppressing this kid's acting ability. We know he can do more than this. And they seem to be dumbing him down to the point that they're not letting him, you know, roll with this thing. And and, and it gets to the point where you're looking at Bodie as a liability now to all this shit that's going on rather than him being the anchor and the strength like he was in the first two seasons. And I think that's a massive massive problem and yeah Gideon's not the most interesting villain at this point and and the shadows are not that interesting either and nothing's really happening Tyler's 
kind of like remembers doesn't want to remember and and i mean it's you know it it yeah i, I would agree i'm still into it i still like it it's not that i i, I want to give up on it i'm i'm with you guys i want to see how it turns out i mean this is a show that we've invested time in i want to see how it ends even if i'm not so thrilled about it anymore but i i don't i don't hate it like you guys yet I, getting there <laughs> go ahead tony i agree with dave i want to see how it ends soon much sooner than later but i guess not so anyway to the point then i passive aggressive much yeah much much um <laughs> to the point though of watching this and i've already watched the third episode i it, it was all a blur it was after i came home from the bar last night and the hell if i'm gonna watch this again next week so i guess i'll see you for week four episode four of of this stupid ass show but the one thing i will tell you is the acting got really bad and I don't know if it's the story or the director or whatever, but the way this story is being told and the acting, it's worse than a daytime soap opera. Like at least the storylines on a daytime soap opera make you want to watch. This is just, it's really becoming like, not like funny cringe, like the office, but like actual cringe to watch some the of these actors, scenes. Some of these, they're not- these people used to be playing really, really good roles. Yes. And now it's just, there's been no growth. It's so stale. Exactly. It's a regression. Exactly. Exactly. There's no progression of the characters. They are the same characters that they've been. It's a regression. It it's is not even a. It is not even a plateau. Absolutely, I agree with Tony one thousand percent. They have regressed as characters, and the acting has regressed, or even not regressed, but just stayed static. And you can't do that. So here, here's the thing that I, I haven't quite gotten to the point of hate watching the show entirely I'm, I'm very frustrated with the show like i'm not at rise of skywalker levels yet the the problem that i that i had with this episode in particular out you know in addition to the whole thing with Bodhi, is part of the the interest and the mystique of season one of this show which is very very strong was the mystery of the keys and the problem that I that I feel like the show has run into by now at season three is the only thing they can seem to think of in a writer's room. And we're going to be talking about writer's rooms a lot today is, OK, how do we keep these more keys? We're just going to have more keys and more keys and more keys. And and just even so Bodhi finds the time, this time key and his uncle is just like, Duncan's like, oh, yeah. I was really hoping you wouldn't find that key. I've known about this key the whole time. I was hoping you wouldn't find it. Like the fuck, uh, you know, and it, and it doesn't alter time. Like, so apparently you can go back in time, but it doesn't change your timeline. Cause Bodhi, or at least that's what he says, or it doesn't quite work that way is the way that Duncan describes it. There's something so much more epically stupid about to happen to progress the storyline and, and about in an imbalance of power. And I think Dave knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, right. it, it's, it's a it's a transition of power that happens, and it's so well, it stupid. Makes Bodhi look even dumber. It really does. All right. So anyway, stop stop jumping ahead because I have other things to complain about, uh, and I, I like to complain about those too. So the other thing that I've I found really challenging out of this writers' room is we're also it feels like arbitrarily changing what the keys can do. So. You know, what's his name has the anywhere key. He uses it to open up the door to the well, and suddenly he's able to call four spirits and pull them through another door that takes him anywhere. Like, like, did I miss a power somewhere? Like, what the fuck? Like, it, am I wrong here? Was that the anywhere key, or did he have something different? I don't know what he's got. 
I know he's so got, he, had, he has he the anywhere key. You're right. He definitely has the anywhere key, but like, it, it just didn't make any sense. Like he just opens uh, suddenly, Hey, there's my two soldiers that I've been serving with and doing all this stuff. Like, like, like they just, just sort of made Patrick, it so. Patrick, I want you to take your frustration that you're feeling right now. Yeah. And I want you to, I want you to grab your, your mental and, and, you know, inside compactor and just crush it down as tight as you possibly can to make room for what you're about to witness next week, because you won't give a fuck about what you're talking about right now. Well, I'm excited to learn about that then. Let me tell you, because this is, this is a very problematic start and very desperate start to a season. Make more room for disappointment is what I'm trying to say. Sure. I think Dave was 100%. And, And I think we're all in agreement here. The end of Dodge, and I, I hope Dodge comes back, because Dodge was the villain that really makes things go, right? That's, okay. just yeah. that's all I need to know. Your <laughs> silence tells me that, that then, Dodge comes I will back say this, if that's what you're, that that's what like, you're that's waiting for, stupid. then there's hope for I mean, it, this. There's hope you know for what, show, Patrick, Patrick, if you fish enough, you're going to catch something from us. You know what I'm saying? It's only it's I, your I'm not, fault. I'm not, even, I'm not even trying to. I, I just it's It's one of those things like, However, they're going to bring back Dodge. I'm already anticipating that I'm going to be back on this program a week from oh. now, being like there were so many other better ways to keep Dodge there's, with there's us. There's just there's there's two really stupid things that happened, and I guess next week I'll be able to comment on both of them. Bodie's at both of them, the center of yes. both of them. One hundred. Oh, good. See, it, it's whatever. I think that it's it's fascinating to me that we've shifted to the sister being the stabilizing force on the family. Well, and she's just like, regressed as an actress as well so much in right. this world. It's been horrible. She just is right. so plain. Yeah, everybody's one note at this point. You are a one note character. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been bad. And you know, and Ty- I remember Tyler's when we were the talking- only interesting one at this point, really. Right, right, right. Because he's he he actually did something that made sense and was a, like and and we're seeing the ramifications of that decision, in a, in in some way that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Back when we back when we were talking about episode one, Dave took the time to look up like the Metacritic score of season three. And to see how much this series has devolved from season to season in terms of the critical response is significant. I think it was something like a 70% positive review in season one. Like season one so, was like 68 and then season two was like in the eighties. So season two was very, season two, season two was very strong. And then this one, 44, that's telling. Oh, I actually thought it had been reviewed worse. So I'm, but I'm, I'm very challenged by this episode and this season so far and you know me once once you lose me it's really hard to get me back as a as a as a fan and critically yeah i think Um, think we're all like we're all we okay we've come this far we got to see this thing through i'm i'm interested to see how it ends but yeah this has been it's been disappointing you know you look at like umbrella academy season three and how good that was and you had hope for this and it's like I, they did something wrong with this whole thing. I, I just, I don't have any explanation for it. Yeah. And I don't know that there is a good explanation for it. So we're just going to leave it alone. I can't wait to see how Bodie fucks up twice in a way that will make me angry. 
and make no goddamn sense because that sounds like what we're gonna do here. I'm gonna do this just ahead of time to lock and key, which is rare for me. I'm gonna do this to lock and key though. Because I feel like it's already earned it, right? So I think Ray's one, version of the story is actually that's just isn't it I'm awesome. just saying, where's Crystal Ball? I I don't know. And Crystal Ball would probably help the show. Ray, how does it feel to not be the one to get booed? What? Ray, <laughs> Ray Dikembe Matumbo. Silence from Ray. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, change your handle. Why don't we Ray Matumbo? <laughs> I know better. Because if I would have said something, I would have got the I would have got the button. Well, now you just ask for it. I mean, if you're gonna ask for it, I'm gonna give it to you. You had no idea what was gonna happen. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna jump into the trailer park. Uh, we're a little all over the place with the trailer park this week, but I'm excited to talk about three upcoming films. All that when we come back. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay, we are back, everyone. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com, joined by David Ungar, PC Tunney, and Ray Cash. Dave, it is time to head to the trailer park. But before we can do that, as you know, we got to hear some music. So play that beautiful banjo.
All right. So three different, three very different films that I shared with you guys for trailers this week. I personally am excited about all three of them. I would not be surprised if I am the only one who's excited about all three of them, uh, just given what I know about each of you. But uh, we're going to start with with Netflix and a movie that's actually generated a little bit of buzz and controversy. And it's a, it's a thing that actually is uh, floated around uh, in a couple of different films as, as of late. But it had been announced quite a while ago that the Broadway version of the Roald Dahl classic uh, book, Matilda, was going to be made into a film version to be aired on Netflix. The Probably the biggest known role was uh, Emma Thompson, who is entering into, I can't remember the teacher's name, that is the, the like evil headmistress, I'm going to look it up. Um, well, Miss Trumbull. Miss Trumbull. Trumbull. Yeah, Miss Trumbull as the character, and She's been the center of a little bit of controversy. This has been a big thing lately in Hollywood with uh, fat suits. We'll just call them what they are. Uh, and people having to wear suits to make themselves look larger in various ways and sort of the body shaming thing. That controversy notwithstanding, and that question is Dave rolls his eyes. Um, so we can tell that Dave's going to old man yell at Cloud over this one. The, uh, the trailer looks fun to me. Uh, the musical, I've heard music from from it before. I, I think this looks like a really, really good production. I'm excited to watch this with the kid. The little old yeah. seems to be invested in what is clearly the smartest girl on the planet. And so, Dave, you rolled your eyes. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you're skipping Matilda uh, on, on on this edition. Let's uh, see. How many things do I not like about this? I don't <laughs> dig remakes. I don't dig musicals. Not a remake. Why? Why are you calling it a remake? Matilda. That's uh, didn't they do this movie once already? They did a 1996 version yeah. of it. Why would I? And I didn't like that one. So why would I be invested in this one? I mean, I don't like remakes. I don't like musicals. I don't hard pass. Uh, that's just it's, it's just me. That's just me. For if you guys love it, great. It's just me. Definitely not anything that I'm interested in. I'll be real short about it. <laughs> Wow. Right here. Hey, you you didn't like the 1996 one? Ooh. See, I was with you on the other two. I mean, I, I don't care. I, I dug the telekinetic aspect of things. That was kind of, you know, in our wheelhouse. But And I like Danny DeVito, but just the rest of it, it's just, I just, I don't know, right? It just didn't do anything uh, for me. But that, that, again, it's just me, like our list, sure. just our list. It, maybe you'll it get a pass with from me. Okay. You'll get a you'll get a pass from me because of we have an age. Difference. I'm waiting to get booed. Is what I'm waiting for. Well, well, I was so I was a child when that when the first one came out. So clearly it was portrayed different to me than it would be. To and you. to be so fair, I, my kids liked it. So there you go. Yeah. So you're right. And I also I don't care about remakes. If if it's annoying, but if the movie's good, I don't care. But I'm not a fan of musicals. And and I know we got another quote unquote musical on the list. That I'll say something different about, but I'm just and, and so when you've already given me probably the best portrayal of the movie I'm gonna get, and then you're gonna redo it and make it a musical? Ugh, dog, no. I mean, you're talking about a Tony Award-winning Broadway show. Like, I don't understand. Like, I get. I don't live in that world. No, no, I don't live I mean, in the world. Here's my point, though. Here's my point, though. I don't call like I argue this isn't a remake. This isn't like they took that script from that movie and turned it into a musical. This isn't an adaptation. This is like doing a stage production of um, 
Disney does this all the time, where you've got Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, they've done it with The Little Mermaid, they've done it with The Lion King. Those are all very distinctive sort of things. I would not stage production slash musical of The Lion King, the remake of The Lion King, in the same way that I would describe the kind of quote-unquote live-action Lion King movie that they did. I just don't think they're the, I don't think they're the same. It wasn't the same adapted script that got created. So, I don't know. Um, I, I feel you. I, 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 I hard disagree still because it's coming from the same I mean, source material, but okay. Anyway, you, you still think that um, Mephisto is an A-list villain, so what do you know? Well, Clearly, I'm right because you put out the rundown today. So I'm just saying. Uh, uh, no, I will say this. I mean, I, I like what Pat's saying. It's it's just it's a date taking a Tony Award winning musical, Broadway musical, and and adapting it to the film. I mean, how many of those have actually worked? With Chicago is the one that stands out to me. Oklahoma, that's all. That's the only good one. The sound, Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, Cinderella. Listen. Listen, Cat. listen, it, it looks fun. It looks like a really fun way to tell this story. And they have a built-in audience for it right where it's going to reside. So it's something that's smart. It looks like it's well done. On a scale of Vincent Price to Julie Newmar, I'd rate it somewhere between John Aston and Burgess Meredith. That's just kind of where I'm you, at on this one. You try to find like, new skills. Like, like as in John Aston. Like, as in John Aston, okay, great, you're the Riddler, to Burgess Meredith. You know, you got a fighting chance, Rock. So we'll see what happens. I thought you were going with Penguin Burgess Meredith. He was, but he gets to encompass all of those things. This is why he was chosen. I need to understand your criteria. It's very it's very strange. <laughs> you, you went from old-school Batman villains to Rocky. Like, it was very yeah, well, I just it, see it how was that just a, melded together. It was like, yeah, just, like, just right there. Just have fun with it a little bit. Look at Tony trying to write the ship. He'll knock you into tomorrow, Tony. I mean, and I, just I, below I, Julie yeah. Newmar would be Cesar Romero. So that's your kind of your sliding scale of Mustache pride. and all, maybe. <laughs> all right. So I shared this next trailer because it gave it, it actually kept my wife from going to sleep comfortably. Uh, when I shared it with her as this trailer for the film Megan with a three instead of an E uh, popped up in my timeline, just kind of out of nowhere. Like one day I was like, Oh look, it's a, you know, creepy doll movie. And I was like, Oh yay, Another creepy doll movie just in time for Halloween. How original. And then I watched it do a weird herky jerky thriller dance in the middle of a hallway while grabbing a fucking piece of a uh, paper cutter uh, to to like slice somebody up, and I was like, I'm in, I'm in. I love creepy shit, Tony. I know you love creepy shit. Are you gonna watch? <laughs> I don't. Sentient artificial intelligence cyborg no, doll. It's it's dude. If you can sit through AI in the movie theater, you could probably sit through this. That's how uncomfortable that movie was. But um, I don't know. This one's kind of interesting and funny. I was like, oh, this is kind of like. It's kind of like artificial intelligence meets Chucky. Yeah, I went Bicentennial Man. Remember that with Robin Williams with that was the a Gentle fun Robot? Movie. That was a fun I movie. I know. Just thinking, just thinking Bicentennial Man went crazy and started killing the kid. And, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. This is, yeah, hey. it should be just bad enough to be good. Uh, oh, I think it's way good enough to be awesome. I think the problem that I have with the trailer park this week is that these are all they're all ideas that have been done before, not remakes. I understand that, but ideas that have been kind of done before. And Megan's kind of the same thing. 
AI gone wrong, you know, and I understand that, okay, we've got this, this kind of Android doll that's comforting this girl who's lost her parents. And then predictably the AI starts to develop its own agenda and its own personality. Are you going to try to shut me off? Nah, bitch, that's not happening. Are you going to try to do this? I'm going to, you know, knife you in the head. And and so, I mean, it looks, it looks, I'm definitely more interested in this than the first one, but to me, it just felt like, okay, I kind of have seen this sort of thing done before. Can I just say though, Dave, especially with what we're about to talk about and what we previously talked about, you, you can throw this slightly in as well. Is all three of these though are a different way of telling the story to a new generation, to a new generation definitely, as well. Definitely, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Dave, Dave, it, did you watch like all your Caps games in succession? Because who had Dave Gar <laughs> as the curmudgeon on Bandwagon Nerds today, man? You are Dave O'Dowd. You are the the curmudgeon today folks so if you have david if you drew david ungar as curmudgeon on bandwagon you're a winner have yourself a drink yeah. toast here's to you he got Sour, the short straw man. it's okay short straw tony early early it's early in the nhl season as we talked about in our 20 minute episode of chair shot radio because pat didn't do his homework uh ray yes spooky season man you in oh yeah yeah i knew it so so I I saw this advertised for like a week and I was like, I'm gonna look at this shit. It's stupid. And then I actually decided to watch the trailer and five seconds into the trailer, I was like, oh, this was made for me. Um, I'll throw you another analogy. You guys uh, used um, Chucky and you guys used um, Bicentennial Man. This reminds me of Ex Machina with Alicia Vikander. Yeah. In that an AI learns what's going on and decides to be different. Um, also, I enjoy, um, we all know that the name Karen is used in a different type of um, visage, if you will, in, in this, this day and age. Well, Megan is similar to that. So the fact that she's named Megan and she looks like she does, and then the, the stupid little dance she's doing, it's it's so good. It's so fantastic. I love it. And also, for years, we've made movies for decades about our fear of computers and technology and what if it was really smarter than us. And so I like that it's one thing to go in, this, in a well that's been dug a lot. It's another thing to go to that well and then dig your own lane out of that well. And this movie seems to be doing that. It's taking what's been done and going in its own way and kind of revamping that genre. Much like Ex Machina did. So uh, right. I'm with it, bro. I'm with it. I love I, it. I, I got to tell you, the the most unsettling thing about that doll, though, we keep talking about the dances in the movie. It's the oversized eyes on a child actor's face. Like that doll-like face. The, the eye, like the eyes yeah. are just slightly bigger. The than marionette eyes. The marionette eyes. Yes. Yeah. Just slightly larger than what they're supposed to be. And it was like, yeah. The shit that got me oh. on the trailer yeah. was when the boy was messed with her and she was like, okay, you need to run now. And she starts chasing him and then fucking all four. She goes down into the animal. Oh my God. Yeah. So around so. around the room real quick, I know we've asked this question before, but during spooky season, what sort of supernatural thing in a film will get you every time that you don't like? So for example... This is O'Dowd. Not only doesn't like like ghost children, but more like ghost children that do the herky jerky move, like like in uh, the ring. 
and that sort of thing. So what's what's the horror thing that gives you the heebie-jeebies, David Ungar? I think the only thing that really bothers me anymore, because I have no control over it, is like jump scares. That's the only thing that – I mean, and, and I still like them, but they're the ones that kind of, you know – freak me out the most especially like when you when they do like um when they divert you and they do some misdirection where you think it's happening over here and it really happens over here those are when it's done really well so i think those are the kind of the uh the ones that i like them the those are the ones that get me the most still not much not much else beyond that really scares me anymore but pc tunny fan of horror that you are what really gives you the heebie-jeebies i don't like the jump scares i don't like the creepy crawlies i don't like the blood and gore i don't like any of it i love halloween i love beetlejuice i love free candy um and i love pumpkins i had a pumpkin piece of pumpkin cheesecake the other day it was excellent oh nice look at you go you're losing right. your black card, bro. You're losing your black card, Tony. Um, bro, you would eat. Bro, you would eat in this fucking cheesecake too. Don't get off. You're right. Me. I'm, I'm. You're right. You're probably right. Um, two things. Very simple. Number one, I hate puppets that turn live, like um, Slappy from uh, Goosebumps. No, no, no. But for me, it's it's one simple word: realism. Anything that could be realistic, and I don't mean like killing or gore. I mean like the Sixth Sense fucked with me. That's the scariest movie I've still, I've still seen in my life because that part where he says, you know, when you feel the hairs on your back of your neck, that's them. But all of us have that feeling like that's the that's what gets me is like something that could be actually real. So for me, it's not there's two things. Any any um, any any body horror involving hands bothers me like it, it, you give me a stigmata movie, TVGBs all the time. Yeah, no, 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 that one's not fine. Um, the other thing, though, is a good use of, like, stalking or hiding in the background. Like, I always talk about uh, Halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time because Michael Myers is everywhere, but Jamie Lee Curtis isn't paying attention to her. Um, or, like, just good use of other in the in the room and somebody can't see it. Hereditary is another good example where... She's up in the corner of the room in the shadows, and you can see her, but her son can't see her, and you're like, fuck, shit is going to get crazy in a second. Anything like that, um, those will always get me. Um, I'm trying to remember the movie that, uh, it's not Sinister, uh, with uh, Patrick Wilson. Uh, and mm. God, it was... It's where the it's the one where they were like, your the your son is haunted, you're not haunted. I can't remember what the name of that movie is. It, they made a whole series of movies out of them, but um, not the not the Conjuring. A, no, it is the it might be the Conjuring where there's a or scene Insidious. where it might be Insidious where the mom is walking around the house and this like ghost child is like it's moving about the house and like standing and at like, one point. She's That's walking the through the room and the child is like standing along the coat rack and you're like, ah, there it is. Heebie-jeebies every time. I didn't realize but, Patrick Wilson did so many damn horror movies. My God. Oh, he, a lot he, of he them, is, right, right, Ray? He does a lot of horror movies. Annabelle? <laughs> yep. Good God. Well, because they're, they're all in that shared universe. Because Annabelle is part of, mm-hmm. like, you see Annabelle in one of his uh, films. Um, and, 
Annabelle's a perfect example of shit I'm, that fucks with me because there's a real Annabelle doll. That's a real doll. Yeah. So, good stuff there. All right. Let's move forward to one last film in the tra- trailer park because, believe it or not, we're halfway through October and we're getting ready for the holiday season. Yes. And Netflix put out another film that I'm like, I kind of want to watch this movie. It is a new take on the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, this time featuring one Ryan Reynolds, which is almost instant bank, and Will Ferrell as the ghost of Christmas present, who every year must pick a Scrooge to, sh- to introduce to the three spirits of Christmas and change their ways. And really, you had me at you had me at Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell movie together, even if it's a holiday movie. And so, I think this looks funny. I think it's I think it's hilarious um, to to watch the, those two at least what we saw out of the trailer play off one another. I think I was personally highlighted by the fact that Ryan Reynolds is reminding the Ghost of Christmas Present of his own job and what he's supposed to do in an elevator at one point. Uh, I'm in. I love a good holiday flick. We'll see if it makes the yearly rotation. But I'll start with Ray Cash and you this time. Spirited, what were your thoughts on this sort of new perspective on A Christmas Carol? So as me and Dave O'Dowd spoke about earlier, we uh, both are well, you playing the role of, of the curmudgeon today, so I'm just saying. Oh, I got you, got you. Um, uh, we both don't like musicals. However, if there is something that is interesting enough for me to offset the incessant musical part, I'm with it. You said it perfectly. Ryan Reynolds, and for me, I know he's a mixed bag for some people, but Will Ferrell is money in any and everything. And we all know Will Ferrell knows how to make a damn good Christmas movie. So I'm I'm in. The, the trailer was funny. I would have expected, I think... Just looking at the two, wouldn't Will be a better Scrooge? Maybe, maybe that's I why think, they flipped it. I, I think I think they're going to lean hard into the Ryan Reynolds sarcasm, right? Like that sarcastic and mean kind of guy. Okay, yeah, no, this I is a this is a story about Ryan Reynolds as the lead character, not Will Ferrell, because Will Ferrell is not. He's only one of the ghosts of Christmas. He's not. He's not all right. of them. Right, so. but they're the two star. But they are the two stars. Like it's. Right, I get that. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, so he's going to be in a lot of it. But the story is about the the character development of Ryan Reynolds' character, not Will. Oh, agree, agree. I'm just saying it would have. I'm just saying I would if I'm just looking at the Uh, two. I would. I think think think, Will Ferrell looks more like a Scrooge. I think movie companies and audiences in general are more interested in Ryan Reynolds having character development than Will Ferrell. I think a lot of people see Will Ferrell as playing a really good character, and that's what he's going to do in this movie. Right. Now, I will say that there there are a couple of other um, fairly known names to, to pay attention in here. Particularly, we've got uh, Octavia Spencer in a role. Uh, I would assume she's one of the ghosts. Uh, the other, the ghost of Christmas past, though, is somebody that I'm not familiar with. Uh, Sunita Mani. Uh, she's known for Everything, everywhere, uh, glow, save yourselves. I, I don't know any of these shows, um, so we'll have to we'll have to see there. But I'm trying. I'm just kind of looking through. Uh, Joe Tippett also in it. 
it's interesting to me that Octo- Octavia Spencer and Joe Tippett oh. are the two. You know what? Though, you know why I disagreed with you so much the Ray before, and because is because I don't I don't think I think Will Ferrell is going to split time with the other ghosts. I think the just trailer was just heavy to get your involvement. To be honest with you, again, you're not wrong. But when you market a movie based on two, oh people, yeah, well that's what I'm saying. No, no, I get that 100. percent I, you so you think you think Will Ferrell should be you think it should be flipped, but would you just put Ryan Reynolds in just one third of the ghosts though? I don't. I think Will Ferrell's going to be in eighty percent of the movie. Right. So I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even thinking about character development. I'm just thinking of just simply looking at them. Will Ferrell looks more like the traditional Ebenezer Scrooge that we know. But that's like re, that's like to my point to where Dave was talking about the other movie. Like this is the modern retelling of the story, and the no, modern right. Scrooge is a Ryan Reynolds kind of. I Spot mean, on. You know. Yeah, I completely agree. You're right. I mean, I mean, this retelling of the Dickens classic has to be better than Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. So, you know, we've got. All we've right, got all right, all right. Yeah, there you go. Um, Dave, what you, you big musical fan that you are, are you in for Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, Octavia Spencer, and a whole lot of other people? It's just another shitty remake of the same. No, just. <laughs> You. No, I mean, look at you. I mean, look. look at you leaning into the curmudgeon yeah. role. It's like, I mean, okay, it is a remake, like you guys are saying. It's a modern retelling of the story. Um, you know, you got Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. I, I mean, there's no way I'm gonna sit there and say I'm not interested in seeing a movie with those two guys retelling one of the most beloved Christmas stories of all time. I'm kind of hoping it's this year's eight bit Christmas, to be honest with you, that it's that movie right. that kind of comes out and, and, and you, you're, you know, you're interested on it in, in it, in the periphery, this a little bit more because of the casting. And then it just kind of grabs you and takes you by surprise as far as how good it was. We got a real, we, we got a Christmas gift last year with eight bit Christmas. I thought, I know Pat, we both reviewed it really highly. Um, so I'm kind of looking at this thing, and maybe that's this year's eight bit Christmas. And if it is, I'll be absolutely thrilled with it. So, yeah, this one, this one, I, I'm definitely much more favorable to. Sorry to break right, up the well, curmudgeonness, but there you go. I well, there you have it, Dave. Even in on this, this does look like it's something that's very much the, up the bandwagon's alley, though, in terms of our likes and interests, and something we would get behind. So, no argument there. Check it out. I can't remember when it hits. Netflix. I would assume in November at some point ahead of the holiday season. I'm sure one of you can look at it over the commercial break and get me squared away. We are going to head into our commercial break and then talk a lot of nerd, not even news around the nerdosphere. We're going to talk a lot of Marvel. Uh, we're going to talk, we are going to talk some news. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I am going to break this little uh, tidbit to you, though. I'm going to jostle up the rundown a little bit. We're going to move, I'm going to shuffle the order a bit. Because I want us to get a little mad first uh, before we get into the meat and bones of what I think the show is. And you all will hear that, too, when we come back. Now, before we go to our recorded commercials, I do want to make sure that I remind everybody that if you enjoy hearing David Ungar be pre-mad at movies he hasn't seen yet, or if you want to hear Ray Cash get booed on a daily basis, or PC Tunney laugh at jokes here and there, or tell us his opinions on Saturday Night Live when we really don't want them then what you should do is keep Chair Shot Radio going by heading over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in one of the many t-shirt designs that we have available. We have everything from chair shot logos to shows, 
to sayings from various programs, all kinds of great selections to choose from. They're only $19.99 a shirt. Or if you're feeling fancy, you want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it strong, uh, strong style. Soft style. Don't get it strong style. That'll hurt the chest. That'll, that'll be a little rough. You want it soft style so that it feels nice on your giblets. Oh, boy. Anyways, as I, I hold my head here, this is the other thing that you get when you invest in ProWrestlingTees.com. Put on that potato sack, Lassie. There you go. Patrick O'Dowd messing up the commercial. When we come back, we are going to do some news around the nerdosphere, talk a little She-Hulk. It's going to be a lot of fun. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Okay, welcome back. And before we get to it, Tony, quick question. Is it still a new partnership with Angry Lemonade, or is it just now like a partnership with Angry Lemonade? I don't think the verbiage in that commercial's changed ever. Ever, like three years ago. That okay. was that was actually something that I, I did. I made that up, like, and, and I just oh, yeah. did that. I did that, and Greg was like, "Oh, there's there it is," and he he cut that up and did it. I didn't have nothing oh. to do with that. I just did that off the cuff one time. So yeah, oh, well humble brag, humble brag. Uh, but it's not fun to fall, right? I think I was sober that day. Wow, that's a change. Oh, good for you. That's very rare. Spirited no- November 11th, by the way. Spirited November 11th. Thank you, Dave. I'm going to have to renew my Apple subscription, by the way, just for that. That will get me to renew my app. That's that's a big that's a big thing on this show. If you talk about like what we talk about, something comes out to get you to go back to a subscription. This is it. Actually, we should. I'm oh. sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, actually, we should be getting Ted Lasso in the next few months, right? It's about time oh, for it to drop. Great if they was the same time. <laughs> it was funny. You know, it was good that Tony mentioned renewing subscriptions and, and getting subscriptions back because our good friends at Netflix, who we've been talking about going down, 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 down in the land of the revenue stream and struggling a bit, have announced officially official they will be having an ad-supported tier go live November 22nd. I guess here's the thing is, is it news? What what streaming service now at this point doesn't have ads at all outside of Disney Plus? Because even HBO, HBO Max. No, that's not true. HBO Max, when I turn when you when I hit play on HBO Max to watch League of Super Pets with my kid this morning. I got a commercial. It wasn't a it wasn't a sponsored commercial. It was an HBO Max commercial about how great HBO. Do Max you do you um, just have an HBO Max subscription or do you have a HBO subscription on your provider? HBO subscription on my provider. And you still have that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. Know. I got a com- I got a commercial. It was funny because every time I see an HBO Max commercial, I just laugh because we know that HBO Max is is soon to be don't, no more. You don't have but, the ability uh, to skip it. Like a preview? I probably did. I I didn't notice it. It probably went away. It just ads are a part of streaming services at this point, right? But like for the most part, so, even if it's an ad for itself. So that's a question that that I that I'd like to propose to the group. 
because I consider an actual ad. I'm watching the movie and third and into the movie, it stops to show commercials. I don't consider before the show starts. Hey, by the way, here's this other show you should watch on this network. And then you get to the hour and a half, two hour movie. I don't think think you have the ad here, Patrick. I don't think yeah, I don't consider that an ad. No, I mean, I kind of feel like it. I feel like it's it's an annoying. I think you have the option right away. I think it sits on skip in the lower right right away if you just want to go ahead to what's happening. Just because I've been watching, I've been watching House of the Dragon, and that's kind of how that goes too. So it it sounded very familiar. I'm not trying to like go out of my way to say you're wrong, but I think you might be wrong. I'm just a simple caveman. I don't understand things like (laughs) skipping commercials in the middle of whatever. I. I, this is, I, can I, these here, buttons are me, complicated. There's no, no, three of them. I, I'm, the, I'm the asshole in this conversation, though, because, like, for me, I have all these subscriptions, and I don't watch commercials on any of them. So I must just pay the premium subscription to all these things. So, Same. Like, like, I was well, unaware it, that there could have been there on HBO. Hulu, apparently there is, but I don't watch them. Peacock, I don't watch them. Right? Same. Like, because Peacock's for me, interesting. well, Peacock for me is, like, I'm spending used to spending forty to eighty dollars in my you know youth to adulthood to buy a pay per view ten dollars a month plus all the other content that Same. ain't shit. Yeah. Same. Dave, get in here. Well, because you haven't spoken yet. I tend. To, I mean, yeah. I mean, ads are just a part of of uh, of any of these streaming services. I mean, yeah, you could you could buy the premium and 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 not do it. I mean, typically if there's an ad on something and I haven't like upgraded or something, I just leave the room, come back at 45 seconds and say, okay, that was, uh, I didn't pay any attention to that. Um, you know, Netflix has been like one of the holdouts and the right, fact Netflix that, has been, the yeah. fact of the matter is like, you're saying they've lost subscribers. You know, there, there, there is an interesting dichotomy with Netflix in this whole thing. We've lost subscribers by massive numbers, but yet we need to increase right. revenue. So how do we do that? Let's put in an ad-supported tier to probably alienate more of our subscribers in the hopes that we will generate some more income. Well, but it's going to be a cheaper tier for people to sign on. Where has everybody gone from these companies that have lost all these subscribers? Or did everybody inflate? Or are people cutting the cord like they did with cable and direct, you know? I I think it's a couple of different things. I think that Netflix has become less appealing as HBO Max, as Disney Plus in particular. Like Disney Plus has really grown by leaps and bounds. You know, apparently, I mean, there's a story out there that, and we talked about it on the show. Maybe HBO Max wasn't growing quite as strongly as they as they let on when they were sold. But what what I was really curious about is is how the ads like i will be interested to see how this ad supported tier works because dave to your question if if the theory from netflix is we're cost prohibitive so people aren't subscribing because we're too expensive so we're going to create a cheaper tier that generates ad revenue or you pay this like i don't know that it's going to work i don't you know if somebody's like i'm willing to watch ads for a for a five dollar tier a la peacock uh, more power to you What's interesting to me is I wonder how they'll do the the the, the ads within that tier. I'm not going to see it because I'm not going to pay for it. And here, let me get to it. I know you want to speak, Tony, but um, when you're on Peacock and I'm on the ad-supported tier, like I didn't pay ex- the extra money. When you watch a show, like say I watch re- I a, a wrestling program, like I watch a, I, I jump on the WWE network and I watch. Um, you know, the AWA 
on ESPN. They put the commercial in where the commercial was in 1982 when they took the commercial break. So it's basically like watching a program on DFS. If you watch a movie on Peacock, they do a block of ads in front of the movie and they don't interrupt the movie. At least, at least that's what happened in the last two movies I've watched. So I, I have nothing to tell me it wouldn't go that way any other way. Because and you can't skip them, Tony. To, to your like, I can tell you definitively you can't. No, skip but that's like the but, best possible way you could want ads added to a right. movie is in the beginning. Because, be like, okay, hey, once right. you get to that spot, you can hit pause now and do whatever you want. Right. Because if you um. Like if you watch the Godfather trilogy, I watched uh, I watched the Godfather on Peacock because they have it on there. And could you imagine if they threw the ads in the midst of the three plus hours that is the Godfather trilogy? Yeah, it's already a long enough movie as it is. The little O'Dowd is watching uh, the latest Minions movie right now, and, and even then, the the ad block for Minions was shorter than the ad block for the Godfather. The Godfather was like two minutes of ads before you got the movie minions was like 30 seconds so i just i'll be interested to see how netflix navigates this you know I, there's not a real big uproar because we've known this tier is coming um but do you think this is where all streaming services go eventually i i think you were going to kick it to dave but the only thing i want to say and he can answer the question you just asked is this is this is a no-lose situation for netflix because mm-hmm. if you think about it they're going to get more subscribers because it's of a cheaper, um, you know, price, and they're going to keep some subscribers they were going to completely lose because of a cheaper price. Especially if they're smart about the way they put the ads in, considering how people consume the content. Dave, maybe I. I mean, you know, the thing is, Netflix has been around for so long. You wonder like how many people haven't subscribed to it at this point. Um, yeah, maybe maybe having a cheaper entry point is going to entice some subscribers. I'm not sure it's going to be enough to make a, a huge difference for them at this point in time. Because like like Pat's saying, Disney Plus really has a lot of momentum. Um, HBO Max is what it is. Prime is seemingly gaining some momentum with shows like Rings of Power. You know, and it has successful that well, has been. So they're clearly they're clearly putting stock in people going to that space because the more people that go there, the higher they can charge for revenue, you know? Yeah, I, I, and I don't know. I think I, you know, it's a good strategy. I'm not sure how successful they're going to be just because, you know, I don't know how you guys feel. I still look at Netflix as like, yeah, they got some stuff on there that I like. Absolutely. Witcher's coming out and things like that. But to me, it's like, wow. I mean, are there really that many Netflix has been around longer than any of them since the days of the discs were going on. Um, mm-hmm. people still haven't subscribed to it at this point. And, and if you haven't subscribed at this point, is a $5 entry point really going to entice you? Is that going to make a difference? I don't know. Go ahead. Ray. To, to, to that point, cause Tony made a, I don't, we didn't talk about it. And I don't think we, Tony made a great point in my opinion, because with the exception of Hulu, which has the option for live television, all these other streaming services are basically like, extra things you could have if you want. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing that's happening live that's going on these channels. You know what I mean? There's new content, but nothing that's happening live. You know what I'm saying? Um, Amazon got NFL or whatever. But so they're all basically luxuries. Um, And so HBO Max might be like a a weird exception, 
I believe. Like as it airs on HBO, it airs also on HBO Max. It's an hour afterwards. Hour afterwards. It doesn't start that, until it's over. No. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know um, what? They wanted, by the they way, wanted to drive by the way, there. By the way, fuck you, Peacock, as well. Because not only was the replay not immediately available for Extreme Rules, it was well into the evening. So yeah. not only can you not start from the beginning once the program is started on a pay-per-view, which I fucking hate. I will pay an extra fucking $10 a month to be able to watch when I want to start and stop once it starts. Sorry. Had to get that off my chest. I feel better. Um, But the, what I what I was alluding to, what you said was these are all a luxury. So to your point, Dave, I don't think there's a lot of people who are interested in getting Netflix or want to watch it that haven't already gotten it. You're correct. But there's a lot of people like me. I don't watch Netflix every day. I I, I pay for every every streaming services that that big streaming service that's available except for discovery plus, which I I quit because I didn't watch it at all. I don't watch them regularly, but I still have them. But there could be somebody, I'd imagine there's a lot more people like me than there are like Tunny, who I'm not watching so I get rid of it. It's just a hassle. Um, so I'd imagine there's a lot more people who are paying for Netflix at the regular price that are, eh, I don't watch this, I'm going to get rid of it, that will be willing to keep it for the cheaper price. You know, you know, am I making sense? Yeah, I, I, think sense? It'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like, I think that Netflix... Netflix has a real PR problem when it's come with their price points anyway because of the way that increases have been announced and rolled out. They just sort of do it, and you find out, like, the next time you log into Netflix. Like, it's 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 shady. This, yeah, I, I wonder how how this will all shake out. I think it'll be interesting to see, and we'll, we'll learn more probably next year because it's really going to be after a month of this tier being up and available before we see what, if anything, has really taken hold. All right, let's move into some news around the Nerdosphere. We're going to start with uh, PC Tunney getting a little pre-mad. As we shared, I don't know if pre-mad is the right word, but he definitely wasn't interested in this little news bite. But it was announced this week that Liam Neeson has reportedly been cast to be in a Naked Gun remake playing the title role of Officer Frank Drebin. Honey, you didn't love it. I don't think Dave really loved it. I did. I'll start. I'll I'll start by establishing Ray. I don't know how you feel about the Naked Gun movies. Uh, for me, the best part of the Naked Gun movies is Reggie Jackson saying he must kill the queen. That's like I like the Naked Gun movies. I appreciate them for what they are. I do not hold them in a high esteem. So I was not nearly as concerned and was mildly surprised when I got kind of the the the, the boo boo face. From 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 Tony and and Dave in like gift form when this came out. So guys, Tony, why the boo boo face? This does not qualify for a retelling for a new generation. This was something that happened for a different generation of people in a different generation of comedic humor. One thousand percent. Uh, I guess Liam Neeson's going to play his son, which technically is possible considering he's what, 25 years or so younger. But what do you, how does this, I don't just, this doesn't, it's almost going to be a, if it's a spoof on Taken and it's done well, then I'm here for it. If it's not, and it's naked gun 99 and a nine tenths, 
then that's dumb as fuck. Dave, uh, how you doing? It's it's curmudgeon. It's just one of these situations again. I and I hate to be that. It's like I, I don't know why we're. Did anybody see the need to remake the Naked Gun? I I mean that's that's kind of like. It was fun for its time, you know, and that was in the era when Police Academy, Airplane, movies like that were good. And and I think Liam Neeson can portray kind of what Leslie Nielsen pulled off, which is that deadpan kind of like, I'm being serious about this, even though it's 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 completely absurd. Yes, Liam Neeson can do that. But I, I don't know how that kind of comedy is going to, and we talked about it here at my house yesterday, I don't know how that slapstickish sort of comedy is going to translate in 2022 to a movie that that's really going to be all that successful or popular, maybe. But yeah, when I look at Naked Gun, it was fine for its time. But I just, it's like I, 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 I didn't feel this longing in my heart. Man, I really wish they'd remake the Naked Gun. I, I just never thought about it that way. So I, uh, first and foremost, the, the Naked Gun. I've seen seen them. They're funny, but they I don't. They don't have the same. Connection to me that they did with you guys, generation difference. Um, and I like this. I mean, um, Liam Neeson is amazing, and I think he is showing he can be funny, but he can't do the same thing Leslie Nielsen can do. I don't think just just because there's a deadpan similarity there. Leslie Nielsen has a physical comedy acumen about him, even when he's not trying to be funny. That I don't think Liam Neeson can do. So I, I I don't get the casting. I don't mind the movie. I I don't see a reason for it. Why? It doesn't make sense. But I don't like the casting. Um, now, if Tony, I would take Tony's idea. Forget the name. Call it whatever you want. But if you do a spoof of Taken with actual Liam Neeson, I'm here. That's funny. But uh, no, I, I won't be watching it. I don't care. Bad casting. So I, I'm going to start by disagreeing with you guys entirely in terms of Liam Neeson as, a, as somebody who can't do the comedic work that you saw to Leslie Nielsen. I don't think he's going to be Leslie Nielsen. However, if you go back and follow Liam Neeson's career from back in the 80s, I, I ask you to go check out a movie called Spirited, High, or, sorry, High Spirits, starring the Goot, Steve Gutenberg and Daryl Hannah uh, and Beverly D'Angelo. Liam Neeson is an Irish ghost who falls in love with Beverly D'Angelo. I've and seen it. Yes, it's a very, very fine piece of comedy. He's hilarious in that. He has been in other spoofs of his sort of characters like that. I think there is still a place in this world for slapstick comedy. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Naked Gun films is they're not particular, like in the scale of like, Oh gosh, how, well, I can't, on a scale of, uh, I don't know, what's a highly offensive, Team America World Police to, um, I don't know, um, shoot, Val Kilmer movie where he's the spy. Um, top secret. Top secret. This is kind of like, Naked Gun's kind of like in the middle. Like, kind of, he's kind of halfway there. Like, Naked Gun was never a thoroughly offensive movie. And you know what the most offensive part of the Naked Gun is now? Is that O.J. Simpson plays a major role in the movie. Like, that's just like, oh, Jesus. Did everybody do their homework for this week? I have a, I have a choice. Uh, if, we were to, if we were to pick the, the most wrong person to take over the, uh, the O.J. Simpson role of Norton, 
Who uh, who would you pick? Does it have to be an athlete it's or can it just be anybody? Okay, go with an I athlete. got one. I got one. I, I got mine. You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Go first. Antonio Brown. Good, good choice. Excellent choice. Dave, do you have one? Draymond Green. <laughs> That's so nice. PC Tunney. Floyd Mayweather. Excellent. Herschel Walker. Uh, <laughs> and the winner is Patrick. <laughs> hey, he's a cop. He's a police officer. He's got a badge. Oh, geez. sir. See, sir, so no he props, can do it. Sir, sir, no props. No props, sir. No props. That's the thing. Is he has a badge. He can do the rule. He's in. Uh, I, I don't... I'm not excited about this remake. Remakes are our thing. Nostalgia. I got to thinking about this because we've talked a lot about how nostalgia is in and popular. And this isn't really an unfamiliar sort of phenomenon. Like we bring stuff back all the time. Sometimes it's a lesser known film, but you know what? Naked Gun, the first Naked Gun came out, what, like 30 years ago, right? Like early 90s, late 80s. Like it's it's been a it long time. Mean it's a story that needs retelling. Really, but, did, but here's to to your point though. Did did they need to remake the movie Rat Race? Did they need to remake Ocean's Eleven? Did they need to remake a lot of these films? They were very was popular, well done. They you, you ask Greg DeMarco, Ocean's Eleven is amazing. So no. I'm not saying I'm not saying they Greg, like Vaseline on done. toast. All right, the I, fuck boy. There's wow. a real exactly. this is like a heavyweight bout for curmudgeons today. My point here is, is that this is a film that I think lends itself to a remake and, and I think is one that can be remade. I think it can do well to I think it's going to be as popular as the original were. I don't know. And only time will tell. Liam Neeson or not Liam Neeson. Leslie Nielsen was special in that role as Frank Drevin. And, and I do think that that's really that's really important. So we'll we'll have to see, uh, and, and hopefully Herschel Walker. It, it 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 feels like to me that there are a bunch of mid forty to mid fifty year olds who are um, controlling and partaking in these writers' rooms that are basically saying, "Hey, remember this movie? Wasn't it great? Huh?" I think it'd be cool if the new generation could see this movie. And no. that's where so much of our shit is coming from now. This one's going to land like when they redid the Three Stooges. Not at all. And, well, and that's very possible. Like you're, I don't even remember that was a movie. Good point. I, I'm not arguing, well, any movie with Will Sasso as it's the problem. That's right. Will Sasso what? was curly. I remember now. What? Exactly. I remember now. I, I, it is about execution. You never know what kind of remake is going to hit or not hit. I would also just point out, and my my point here was, this is not a new phenomenon in Hollywood. We're treating it like a new phenomenon in Hollywood because, and, th and this is my theory, I will say this. I think it feels like a new phenomenon to us because now we're the generation seeing the shit that we love be remade. Like, I think that's part of it. Yeah. This, this right here hits like Three Stooges. Spirited will be considered one of the best tellings of that story. Maybe. You're, and you're I, we right. don't know. We don't know. You're, you're definitely right that it has something to do with the fact that it's happened to us and not our predecessors. But I also think, too, if you were to go... Remember when we had we, we used to get the newspaper and have to see the movie times? 
to go to the movies. Yeah. If you were to look at the listing of the movies every week, I would venture to, I, this is just a massive assumption. I could be jumping off the fucking window. But I would venture to think that over 50% of the movies are in some form or fashion a remake. And I think that's a whole different level of percentage that it may have been back in the day. Very sad part everything of the is, is everything is derivative of something from from previous years. Uh, we can debate this forever. I, I I don't know. I like I said, I'm kind of nothing about this particular remake in terms of of whether it'll be good or bad. I was not as attached to the Naked Gun films. All right, let's move into some Marvel talk. There was a ton of news and rumors that came out um, surrounding Marvel. Let's do this right, though, before we get into it. So we're going to save She-Hulk talk for the end of the program because uh, I do think that that's going to be a lot of fun to, to, to converse about. But the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about one of the big news releases that happened uh, in regards to the MCU and some changes to the theatrical release schedule. Specifically, four films have been shuffled, pushed back. This is straight off of the Marvel Studios website. Blade, we've heard rumors, we've talked about this before. Blade was previously dated to be released about a year from now on the 23rd, um, or sorry, on the 3rd of November of 2023. It has now been moved to September 6th, 2024. The untitled Deadpool movie that was announced, previously dated for the 9 6 2024 date that Blade got moved to, is now on 11 8 2024. Fantastic Four loses its 11-8-2024 date to move to 2-14-2025. That's right. You can take your Valentine to go see the Fantastic Four movie. And then Avengers Secret Wars was previously dated for November 7th, 2025. It has been moved all the way to May 1st, 2026. David Ungar. Oh, boy. Uh, it's a big deal for me because I may not be around anymore once these movies. Come oh, out. so I, I got I got to hope that you guys enjoy it. No, um, rest in peace, David. Thank Ogar. you, thank you. Yeah, pre pre bury me. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. I think you know these guys are, you know, since since COVID hit, right? I mean, you know, they had the big delay, but since Black Widow came out, guys, right? just been a steady stream of stuff constant everything constantly you know you got movies on top of a series on top of special presentations so i don't know and i know we've all gotten a little bit weary of all this stuff happening so if you're telling me that they're that they've looked at the schedule and say you know we've run into a couple of issues let's pull back a little bit so that we can make a better product i i don't see how you can can complain about that i read one story online earlier this week they were talking especially specifically secret wars and whoever it was, I don't remember who it was, but they were pretty favorable to the notion of delaying Secret Wars to give that story more time to be told. Because that is, you know, you, we talk about it. Everybody talks about when's the next Infinity War and Endgame coming. If you're going to, if you're telling me, you know, if you're looking at everything going on with Marvel, 
Secret Wars is the only thing out there that can come close to the epicness that was Infinity War and Endgame. And if you're going to go down that path, right, then you got to well, say... Well, it's end of a saga, yeah. Then you're going to say, let's give this time to breathe. You know, we've got to bring in... they got to bring in a bunch of other characters. You know, we're going to talk... Fantastic Four got moved. Deadpool got moved. We're going to talk She-Hulk, which inadvertently introduces and makes the X-Men official in the MCU. We're going to talk about that. So you've got stuff that they're bringing in and if you're looking to tell the greatest story possible and Secret Wars has that potential, then, you know, if you're telling me that this is strategic to create a better product, then fine, do it. You know, we've had a big run of stuff for two years now, almost two years. So they want to scale back, slow things down. I- I'm OK with it at this point. Like hindsight, obviously, if you can delay something to give a better product and an overall meaning to your arc of story, which is very important, especially in this instance, in this universe, then 100%. But this kind of just leads to my feeling on movies in general and things of that nature and, and release dates and, and previews like give me less so I can be more satisfied with the lower bar. Like tell me, tell me summer, a fall of 27 but give it to me um in in winter uh, uh of 26 leading into 27 at new year's give me at christmas time then instead you know like over undersell and over deliver on these parts for me you know and it's not hard to do look at what ryan reynolds and, and hugh jackman just did they gave you nothing and you ate it up like it was uh, pumpkin cheesecake with with whipped cream and 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 hazelnuts on top because Ray, you'd even eat that shit. Oddly right specific. Oddly specific. Yeah. Um. So from from a business yeah. standpoint, from a business standpoint, you have to set a, a date to work for towards a goal. So I get them setting dates, but I like what you said, Tony. Yeah, that could be internal. We don't need to know the date. You can just go with like they did at Hall H, fall, winter whatever but i think we're i think we're missing the forest for the trees in this conversation here first and foremost um i don't mind um release dates being moved because there are certain things there's always more business happening you may have access to other characters you might want to use again now we have special presentations maybe we need to do a couple of those before we can get to this so i don't mind that the issue isn't about fantastic four the issue isn't about, I still want my cast, by the way. The issue isn't about the Deadpool movie. The issue isn't about Avengers Secret Wars. The issue is about Blade. Because I am starting to be concerned about what this movie is going to be or if it's going to happen. There is no, there is no. Everybody uh, important is still attached. So what's the difference? Who? Nobody's, nobody's attached but Mahershala. They have that's no director. Exactly. They have. Exactly. But that's no, no, everyone that's the, important. Right no, now. it's not. Because what if Mahershala. Gonna, they're going to come up with a completely different plan. And as long as that plan fits him succeeding in this role, that's what's that's most important not, because he's fit for the role. That's not true, man, because you could have the uh, greatest it actor. Still that, is. This one is so much casting that lead role. I'll shut up. You could have the greatest actor who ever lived, and they have a shitty script. At best, it could be, well, he did great, or she did great in that role. It's important who the director and who the the uh, screenwriters are for these for these movies, because that's going to set forward how we look at the movie, the scale of the movie, 
we're introducing vampires into the MCU and going more towards the horror side, like we spoke about with Werewolf by Night a couple weeks ago. It, imagine if if Guardians of the Galaxy would have been shit. MCU Cosmic would have been horrible. It would have had so much more to overcome. But because it was good, the entire cosmic universe of the MCU was given that much of a boost. So the fact that there's no director, the fact that, forgive me, you guys may know, I don't remember if the screenwriters left too or not, if there's even a script yet. I don't think there's a script yet. And then you're still moving it back to? How much of a priority is this movie to, to you guys? And it's starting to make me concerned because I don't know if I'm go- I would jump out the window and say Blade is important to the future of the MCU, but Blade's placement in as kind of the lead of the MCU horror realm is important. Yeah, you just started it too with with Werewolf by Night. Patrick, I think you're muted. Yes, let me jump in real quick. Uh, okay, let me let me sound that one. So, Blade does have a screenwriter. It's Bo DeMaio. Uh, he uh, wrote X Men. He's a writer for X Men '97. Now, here's what's important to know: is that uh, Bo was re- was brought in to rewrite the entire script from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So that is a little bit of a concern. Uh, the report is that Mahershala Ali has strong. Um, ties to the script writing itself and that he is expected to be um, an important piece to the, the finished product that you're going to see there as well. So mm. right now the reports are that he is still fully committed to the project. Um, and so I think that that is, I think that is, is a, is at least a positive sign right now. I think the thing that is interesting to me is you've already had Blade speak in an MCU movie. Um, granted, it was an after credit scene. So we've already put Marshall Ali out there as a voice. We know he's coming. I, I go back to, has Marvel and the MCU burnt up goodwill for us to not be patient with this result? Or with this, hmm. this term? Because that's the, like because Marvel films have lost directors before Ant Man. I'm looking at you, and it's been fine. Marvel has uh, Patty Jenkins was supposed to do Thor: The Dark World for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. She never and she didn't do it. She was taken off the project. So it's not really something that is unprecedented in the world of Marvel. Dates being moved around, I think this is it has been a lot more frequent. There is some question about whether Kevin Feige is a little stre- stretched a little too thin. I do think that I, I question how much they think Kevin, like what Kevin's role in every single movie is, um, other than being the executive producer. But to me, it all comes down to how much do you trust the MCU and what they've done in the past. And I do think that they have a, a great actor to play Blade in Marshall Ali. I hope that they keep him. Um, we'll, we'll see. So I guess I'll put that back out there and I'll, I'll put it back to you directly, Ray. Is that part of the concern is that this is this would be something that would hurt your goodwill towards things that the MCU have done previously and and that sort of piece of it? Like, Because I just feel like they've been very solid in what they've done. Even a bad Marvel movie has been a good movie. 
whether you know great it's it's been a good movie well except for thor the dark world but i mean you know that's 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 my cross that i'm to bear um but you're right you're right you're right um no I don't think Marvel can, there's very little Marvel, let me not say anything, there's very little Marvel can do for me personally that would make them lose goodwill. But as a person who cares about these characters from a comic level, not just, oh, it's cool to see them on screen, but like, I I read these dudes, I read these ladies, I read these characters, and... I want to see them portrayed on the screen in a way that makes sense. And that is entertaining from a person from that standpoint, there is an interest, uh, probably a deeper interest I would have than probably someone that just watches the movies that I want to see it done well. And sure. when you bring this up, I always feel stupid. And I thank you for humbling. Feel, I'm but, not trying to make you feel stupid. Right? No, no, no. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean, in a humble way, because okay. you know, it's basically like a, Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X moment, because you're like, you remind me all the time, when have they missed? And you're right, they don't miss. But it's the fan in me that is so eager to see these things. And, you know, if you, it's like you told me this, you gave me this morsel. You gave me the perfect casting after Wesley Snipes. You, you, you brought him out last in, when he came out to show the importance of who he is as a character, as an actor, and as and as a, a person that's in the hierarchy of your product, right? You put him in a movie way before you even set a date for his movie to let us know his importance in Eternals, all this. So you give me morsel after morsel after morsel, and then to see the business of it be kind of misplayed a bit, it's just, it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? So I guess I'm like that anxious kid in the back asking, are we there yet? More than just being disappointed. Maybe. You know, I do think it's interesting if you, if the rumors are to believe that that first script that got script, uh, that got scrapped was 90 pages long and had two fight sequences. No, that, that's crazy. That's, that, that's a little scary. Um, and so it, this is the other thing though. I do think that again, people make the right decisions, um, at Marvel. And I, Somebody probably saw that along with Marshall Ali and we're like, this is bad news. Uh, Dave, uh, Tony, any other thoughts on this before I move to some casting rumors? One that neither one I'm particularly excited to talk about. I don't have anything, Tony. I think we we beat this one to death. I, I, it is, you know, movies are going to come out when uh, they come out. All right. Good. All right. Okay. So then let's get to the first of two casting rumors that came out, hit the, hit the internet airwaves this week. We're going to save Ray's giddy excitement for last and talk about the rumors surrounding one Harrison Ford, Han Solo himself, allegedly, reportedly, apparently, supposedly cast to join the MCU as one General Thaddeus. Thunderbolt Ross replacing William Hurt and the speculation of Red Hulk running rampant. I'm, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Harrison Ford is the ultimate acting curmudgeon. See how he speaks to anybody in regards to Han Solo. I, I'm not sure how I feel about him being cast as General Ross, at least in terms of his interest in the role. I could be wrong. Um, but, but I don't know. 
Dave, I don't know. What do you uh, think about this rumor? K, I guess that'd be my response to it. Is like I, 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 I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm like you, Pat. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll work. Can can he work? I mean, yeah, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. Um, just on, on pure acting skill, it's at least comparable with what William Hurt could do. But I just sure. when I think of what Hurt did a, a, as General Ross, and you're gonna put in. Han Solo or Indy in that sort of, I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess maybe we'll see. And, and it, I do want to, I just want to recognize the irony that I just was like, have faith in MCU and they do all this great stuff and casting and it's fine. And then I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's so fan of us. And, oh, and, and that's, that's can, an interesting call. I, let me I have Tony go first. Let, let okay, me do Tony with you, okay? Tony hasn't talked much yet. Do you have any thoughts on this, or do you just want to let Ray go? You go ahead, Ray. As long as he doesn't have to fly a plane, whatever you know, someone do that so, stunt for him. We know how that so, story goes. <laughs> so th- this tells me two things, basically. Number one, he got paid a bag because he don't do he does not like acting anymore. He only does it for the money. So he got a bag. And number two, this tells me that we're getting Red Hulk for sure. Because why else would, would Thaddeus Ross be that important to get that big, that important, that expensive of an actor just to play a dude in a suit? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing if it was at the beginning of the MCU when you got Robert Redford, right? Like, that's a big deal. But it's at the beginning of the MCU. Like, you're replacing an actor. I already don't like replacing an actor, but Thaddeus Ross is in that level where it doesn't really matter. Different than T'Challa. Um, replace, but we're getting replaceable, right, right? Yeah, it's replaceable, and I, 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 I don't mean that William Hurt is a fantastic person. Rest in peace, rest in power. Um, but the character is like, yeah. But we're we're clearly getting Red Hulk, and with what we know at the end of She Hulk, and Hulk stories start to be more prevalent. Hulk characters being more prevalent, leaders are going to be in Captain America Four and all this. Bessie, Bessie Ross is supposed to be in Captain America Four as well. Liv Tyler Ross, Betty, not, Betsy, not Be- whatever. Betsy, Betsy, Betsy made the so, flag. Betsy remember? Sewed a flag. Yeah, man. remember that from a couple weeks ago, Ray. You're right. You're right. Yes, I flipped it this time. Um, Betty, yes. Um, yeah. So clearly, and you're not gonna hire a dude of that ilk to be a nobody, right? Like even with Sylvester Stallone being Stackar. Like, he had a decent role in that movie, but it wasn't big, but we know they're doing more with him down the road. So, like, you can't hire a person of that level just as, like, a, hey, by the way, I'm going to come to a cameo and be gone. This doesn't make sense. So, right. yeah, we're getting Red Hulk, and I'm not crazy about it, but you want to tell Hulk stories. You can't tell Hulk stories without the Red Hulk. All right, Tony, any thoughts? Or do you just want to go on to my favorite rumor, the rumor that will not die? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So it wouldn't be a day in Marvel casting rumor news if we didn't get a Mephisto rumor. And basically, like three days ago, by the time this thing airs, a new rumor. Yay, there it is. Sasha Baron Cohen is the newly rumored cast Cast, nah, I, I've already messed it. Sasha Baron Cohen has been rumored to be cast as Mephisto and will be appearing in Ironheart. Respect, y'all. 
And, and here's the, here's the thing is, uh, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna go to I have to go to Ray on this one, and not because I didn't <laughs> celebrate. I have to go to Ray on this one first because I've not read anything to do with Ironheart ever. Has Mephisto yes. interacted with Ironheart as a villain N- in any way? No, before? not no, okay. not to my knowledge, no. So make it make sense for me. Okay, so I'll make the story make sense before we talk about the casting, if that's okay with you. Sure. I actually don't have a problem with the casting. I don't either. If this and is true. But yeah, right, right, if it is true, yes. Um, we'll talk about the casting in a second. What we, the one thing we know about the Ironheart show is that there was, it, the, the theme is going to be technology versus, let's say, magic, right? And I know magic isn't a great word to speak like this, but um, the other thing we know is that the big bad of sorts that's been announced and casted is the big homie Anthony Ramos as the hood. Where where does the hood get his power from? Is this a rhetorical question, Ray? Or are you really looking for an answer? I mean, you can give me an answer. It's, it's rhetorical. I I, I know it in, in the in the comments it doesn't directly come from Mephisto, but it comes from the same place that um uh like cloak and dagger that uh cloak gets his shit from but that hasn't been in the mcu enough so give letting to be mephisto kind of sitting back being meddling as he's one to do makes a lot more sense for the story being told to me so if that's where we're going and it's more of a cameo setting up some future shit than it is like he's playing a big role, I'm with it. Because there's no reason that Mephisto as a character should have anything to do with Riri Williams. <laughs> this is why this is why this stinks. Again, I'm going to use this again. This is why this stinks more than a parked car. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Dave, go ahead. Your thoughts on this rumor casting. It's just about Mephisto in the Ironheart show. I'll, I'll, I'll one-up your fart in a car. This is like a wet fart in church. You know, this is that kind of rumor going on. I I don't buy it. I, I just I just don't buy it, man. I, I don't... Because what Ray's saying, why would you introduce Mephisto in Ironheart? You got, you know, Werewolf by Night just introduced all this supernatural stuff going on. I mean, it's tailor-made for something tied into that. But Ironheart? You know, Wakanda? Tech? How does that... That doesn't make any damn sense. Can I can I disagree with both of you? No, but you're going well, to anyway. I'm going to try. I think that it is a very weird mix. But we have had very weird mixes and very weird introductions throughout the history of the MCU. And again, if it's a cameo, to me, it can make all the sense in the world. Oh, but a cameo. Okay, no. and I would argue that a, cam- a cameo is a little bit different than... The way this you is put where they, out, like it's kind of put out, like he's gonna, like this is gonna be like a major play. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Read it again. Okay. It says that Sasha Baron, Ka- Sasha Baron Cohen is potentially uh, being being um, hired by Marvel to play the role of Mephisto, who will make his debut or first appearance in Ironheart. It doesn't say he's going to be a part of the Ironheart cast. Uh, it kind of depends on which rumor you go with, because here's the best part about this. Is that since that first sort of well, maybe he's going to be that. Like now we got people out there being like, it's definitely happening. He's been cast. Blah blah blah. So who the fuck knows? Tony, yeah. are you ready for Mephisto in Ironheart? I'm ready for Sasha Baron Cohen playing the part. I'll tell you that. Like, 
think right. about that. Casting wise, you guys agree with well, that? Outside well, of the story starts, like every right, we all right, agree right. with that, right? I I actually have zero problems if this were to be a true rumor um, in terms of the casting because I think one I think Sasha Baron Cohen gets doesn't get the credit he deserves as a serious actor mm-hmm. uh, in a way that you know a lot of other people like I've always argued that Adam Sandler is a hell of an actor and people just wanting to be Billy Madison all the time and I'm like mm-hmm. go watch you know Sucker Punch like. He can do great stuff. Or not Sucker Punch. Uh, punch with a Punch Drunk Love or something like that. Punch Drunk Love. The, yeah. point, the point is Sucker Punch is that terrible Zack Snyder movie. Um, I, I'm sorry, Adam. I didn't mean to put you in that piece of shit. Um, yeah, I think Sasha Barry Cohen, he could play a conniving, manipulative, evil version of the Marvel's devil. Like, I think that could be inspired casting. Straight up. No disagreement at all. And the other... I, I, I'm going to kick it right to you, Ray, because this is really all all I had to say about it is is if 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 he's going to play a, such a significant role in in the universe in general, this is someone who can sustain that and grow within the role. Like th- you have no idea, this is like Andy Kaufman shit that he's going to fucking put into this role. Agreed. Agreed. And another good thing about him being here is if if he really is cast and we do have a, a Mephisto in the universe, we know Ghost Rider's coming for sure. Um, I I love the casting. You know who I want my reference for him to be? You guys may not catch it because you may not watch the show. But you remember the show The Powerpuff Girls? Yeah, I remember the you, show, but I won't remember the reference. You remember <laughs> that there's a devil character on there called him? No. Who's oh, yeah. gender fluid? Significant, and, significant character. I just told you I wouldn't remember the reference. If he can well, use are, that as a there reference, there are two other people on the podcast, honey. You're actually like one of one of four. There's curmudgeon O'Dowd back. There you go. <laughs> if but if if he never, can use I'm him, truly gone. If he can use him as as a, a small reference point, but be just a little more menacing, a little more serious, I think that could be a fun character to play with given the meddling that he'll end up doing or they will end up doing in the MCU proper. Um, and you're right. I, I, I think we expect two plus two to equal four all the time, but I think it's cool when they flip the, 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 the formula on us. And instead of introducing a horror character in a horror movie, well, maybe we'll just put him in this show and then, Movement, I think it's interesting because it always keeps you on your toes. You never know what to expect. Like, would, would anybody have expected to see Daredevil and She-Hulk? If we yes. wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected it. It makes sense when you see it, but I wouldn't have expected it just looking at the they, show. They've got oh, together in the comics. Like, like, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying them put together. I get, I get, well, everybody's done something together in the comics, dog. I, I know what you're saying. I'm uh, just saying, just looking at the, just looking at, hey, the I'm She-Hulk show saying, I'm just saying. Just looking at a She-Hulk show coming, you know, would anybody have said, okay, all right, since you want to be like that, would anybody have seen El Aguila and 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 Manbull and Porcupine? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's it's it's so cool how they flip things and make you see people 
that you'll probably see again later on that you're not even thinking about. I just think that's a really cool thing to see. Ray, can I just say, I hope that they pattern Mephisto after Mojo Jojo instead. Is that cool? Give him a little Mojo Jojo. As, as long as you base it on him and have some of Mojo Jojo, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right, Dave, quick thoughts uh, on Sasha Baron Cohen before we wrap up this show talking She-Hulk. Yeah, I uh, I mean casting wise, I think he'll be a great choice. I just like I, I maintain. I mean, Ray's made his best argument possible. I just don't see the point of bringing Mephisto into um, you know, into Ironheart. And if anything, they should have brought him in the section that we're talking about coming up right now. Since they mentioned everybody else, they might as well have trolled us there as well. But you know, the thing is, he it's it's become you know it's become such a kind of a cliche thing Mephisto is like you know he's coming and Marvel's being smart by hiding the ball as to when he's actually going to come so it's like cool I still would have put him in I am group <sighs> like I suggested but that's just me. well that's Marvel, really outside Mar- the box. Marvel itself has never once said Mephisto is coming anywhere in any way shape or form no, over there, 20 films and multiple television series you're right it is never once fans who are, has anybody showed up the fans it are is, fueling this, is, this and they are going they are steering I firmly believe Intelligentsia every other week puts out a Mephisto rumor just to troll the world. What That's just, my theory. What if it shows up and it's just it's a scroll? Mephisto's sure. A scroll. That would, that, that just would continue to fuck things up. Yeah, man. I, I'm, All right. I'm, let's get let's get into our last topic. Let's talk about She-Hulk uh, and this season finale. Which, guys, I know. There was this desire to go episode by episode and talk about it. And I, again, being the curmudgeon that I was, said no dice. For me, this episode is is really a show in and of itself. I know when you look at it, we unfortunately have 20 minutes uh, to kind of go through everything that we saw and the way that it was done. So for those of you who haven't watched this uh, season finale of She-Hulk, spoilers... We're gonna we're gonna spoil the shit out of this, and we're just gonna start with I I, I rated this scale uh, or this show on a scale of Mole Man to Doctor Doom as somewhere between a Norman Osborn and a Magneto. So I have it pretty high up there. I thought this was a phenomenal finale. I thought it was a very clever finale. I thought it was an excellent way for Marvel to make fun of itself, and I find it very interesting. The amount of hand wringing I've seen super nerds on the internet over what it all means that She-Hulk did what she did in the comics by stepping out of her show, breaking the fourth wall entirely to walk out, quote, into the real world, into the writer's room of Marvel, speaking to Kevin, a parody of Kevin Feige, making a mockery of the formulaic endings that it's it, it it was every like it made fun of everything people have been complaining about over the last six months, two years about Marvel endings. Like made fun of it. Jen makes her own way, finishes this series, gives herself a happy ending for now, and that's that. And we got a Thunderbolts at the very end with Wong pulling Abomination, and they still made fun of it. How like Wong's busy and everywhere. Because he's in like every damn show now. Because Wong is the shit. Um, but that was me. I loved this. I loved this take. I loved everything about this this finale. 
we'll talk about Scar in a second. Uh, but let's start with uh, just sort of some general thoughts. And we'll start with Tony this time. Your thoughts on this final episode of She-Hulk. My initial thought is why were we trying to fucking do lock and key <laughs> while this was going on? Anyway, no. Um, anyway, I, I'm sorry. Um, this isn't no, there are rules. This is yeah. This is great. It, it's just it's just a new storytelling form, and they they knocked it out of the park with everything that's going on, and the fact that they rewrote the ending and made fun of the writers and everything else is phenomenal. The fact that you can get in there and make fun of the person that's in control of one of the greatest things going on in the world, as far as media consumption in Kevin Feige is phenomenal. So yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I'm here for Matt Murdoch and, and Jen Walters by the way, as well. So give me more. Dave, to you. Oh, I love the season finale. I, I thought it was it was so cleverly done. And, and, you know, the the breaking of the fourth wall ties in very well with a character who's coming. He's, his arrival's been delayed, but he's coming. And if you think Jen Walters breaks the four, fourth wall, wait till uh, Deadpool shows up. So I thought it was really cleverly done, the way that they did all this stuff. They, the way that they... Uh, Kevin Feige poking fun at himself. There's a really good interview with... Uh, uh, who is this gal? She's the showrunner, Jessica Gao, talking about what Kevin Feige thought of the season finale and how <laughs> he was. Did you read it? He was yes. so he was instrumental in this idea. He's like basically just paraphrasing. He's like, why would you want to go in the direction of a regular ending? Let's have some fun with this. You've been creative the entire time. Let's steer into that skit. And so he was the one who was kind of instrumental in poking fun at himself and everything that's going on. The show has been very. You know, I think we've talked about it before. Did they know this stuff in advance or did they ad lib and add some stuff as they went along? Because the show has accurately predicted every reaction to it as they've gone along. And here at the end, never more so than at the end, we're going to, you know, break the fourth wall. We're going to talk about all the things that are wrong with the MCU, all the things that people are waiting for. We're going to mention it. Uh, Jen was very clever, you know, talking about her relationship with Matt Murdock and smashing him. And I mean, it was all just so much fun. And it was. I mean, this show has been very different than any of the other ones. It's been the comedic element of the MCU. It was designed that way. And they amplified that at the end. You know, so you get, yeah, we're going to talk about Scar, you know, World War Hulk certainly coming for sure now. Rays, War Spears realized. X-Men confirmed. There you go. I mean, what a, what a great way to end this whole thing. So so the Kevin Feige article I read about that with Jessica Gow was she was talking about when they finally sh- when they finally showed him the episode, they thought he was going to have issues with how the AI looked and everything. And his his only issue was, but well, why would the AI have a hat? And they were like, so we made you, uh, we parodied you as an art- artificial intelligence. And the only issue you see is that he's wearing a hat. He was like, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Feige went. Which is funny because Kevin Feige only wears that baseball cap and they and, and they eventually they very cleverly just changed the camera part of it to have like a little bill so it still looks like he's wearing a hat that was very very well done i thought it was really interesting the way nerds and mouth breathers really got wrapped up in well if she can just change this ending she can like alter the entirety of the mcu no no 
she's never going to do that outside of her own story. That has been a very Jen Walters thing. That is an existing thing. And if you are a mouth breather who loves Deadpool 2, you can't be pissed that She-Hulk did it. Because Deadpool went back in fucking time and undid everything. And if you love that, then you can't be mad about She-Hulk. But it, to me, this feels very clear that She-Hulk can do this within her own narrative. The larger MCU narrative, she can't touch. And, and that was that was my, my argument there. Am I off base on this? Does that sound logical to me? It's it spot on. perfect sense to, to right. everybody in this panel who has like, intelligence and actually breathes through their nose sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're all kind of like, you know. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just, I didn't get that complaint. It didn't make any sense to me, especially if you are somebody who claims to have read a comic. I don't mean to gatekeep you, but do you even read comics, Pearl? Because if you did, you know. Um, okay, let's get to this. Scar is introduced in the most like offhanded way possible. Hey, everyone, I have a son. This is Scar. And it's like, wait, wait, He's wait, 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 what? Hold on. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Ray, I know you're still upset and worried about World War Hulk. I'm wondering if World War Hulk's going to be about Scar and not about Hulk. Well, my only concern now at this point, my mom's with you, is he wasn't on Scar very long. Scar very long. So are they going back again? Is World War Hulk going to be about what happened when they were there? And so there are questions that have that have made me intrigued. Again, my 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 issue is with the idea of the comic book story World War Hulk and fans wanting to see that particular story being told. If we are using the name and flipping the story, I have no qualms. I have no qualms. Um, and it's I think I think it just added to the kind of the the beautiful randomness of what that. Uh, season finale was to end it with oh by the way yeah here's this major character that's going to be major for the next <laughs> five years yeah here he is by the way yeah I thought that was really really cool and damn is is he like 10 years old or is he like a grown man how long was Hulk there shit yeah who knows maybe time work didn't time work differently on Sakaar if I remember correctly yeah I can't yeah. I can't remember I'd have to go back and rewatch Thor Ragnarok. I feel like time works differently on Sakaar because of where it was placed in the universe. Um, anybody have a problem with Sakaar's hair or with Scar's hair? Apparently, that's a thing. Like people were like this that he has this like Shaolin monk look. Dave, people were going to have a problem with anything on that episode, bro. That's fair. Fair. Dave, you okay with you? You okay with Scar's hair? Uh, that's the least of my concerns about the whole thing. I mean, I, 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 I what's, what's your concern? No, I, it's not a concern. It's just, I think I'm like Ray. I want to know the story. I mean, do they bring in what's, what's the mom's name? Kara, Kyra. I don't know how you pronounce it. Kyra. Um, that's scars mom. You know, I, I, how do they, do they bring her into the story? Because of course my thing is like, first thing when I see him is like, who's the mom, you know? I mean, how are they going to, how are they going to deal with that Gentlemen. whole thing? Gentlemen, let me help you with this by turning this over to PC Tony to give us his favorite saying in regards to questions like this. It's all Star Funny. Wars? It's all Marvel Universe. Guys. Thank you. You Marvel. thought I was going to make you like pontificate. Yeah, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, the cat's attacking me. I'm trying to calm down. I'm really drinking but, today because the Packers suck ass. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck, Patrick's coming. Like, that was the most deer in headlights look I've ever seen you on the show. You're like, shit, don't pick me. Don't pick me. He didn't do the reading before class. That's what happened there. (laughs) No, I Uh, did my homework this week, but you were asking for extra credit. I'm not about it. Oh, that's the oddest. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that we want to pull out of this? I think that it's pretty clear that we're – I think we're going to see Jen Walters in the Daredevil series. I mean, there's 18 episodes. I think the question isn't going to be – if certain characters are going to cameo in this Daredevil series, all 18 episodes is how many are going to cameo in this Daredevil series. Oh. I've heard Spidey. I've heard she, I, I think she Hulk is, has got to be in there. You know what? Let me, add, can I put something out there real quick? No, but go is ahead. this, the, is this the news of DCCW kind of uh, TV series universe that they're starting to create? Maybe where Marvel has all these just half-hour shows that connect to each other. No. Well, it's it's interesting because we, we had a, a, an episode two weeks ago where we were talking Why about are you like, so reluctant Marvel's getting away for a series. Because those, I'm so reluctant on that because those shows you're talking about had nothing to do with the actual universe. These are just stories told in a smaller... The, the With the exception of the one story where they tried to put it all together... The entirety of everything from the beginning of Green Arrow to what they're doing now had nothing to do with Justice League and Aquaman and Man of Steel and all those movies. No, they didn't have a- but it was a connected storyline with tertiary characters that could be used later on in the DC universe. But my point is it wasn't connected. It wasn't it was connected. Like Flash and Flash connected Legends and Flash was connected to Arrow, so how is it you're, not all connected? You're missing my Supergirl point. It wasn't connected to the movies. Well, that's what I'm saying. They could do it better, and what we've always wanted in the DC universe was something See, like, like they did. Yeah, it, Marvel's going kind of backwards, right, Tony? Marvel's going kind of backwards. The movies were established, now we're tying I'm in the just TV. Saying it's, it's an addition. It reminds me of that, right? Like it's a big part of what you can do. I still disagree because it's every story doesn't need an hour and a half, two hour movie. Some stories need more. Okay, that's what we're saying. I'm out of it. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think you do. I think we're on different but sides of this, but it's I, all good. Can I throw something out to you guys? Because Patrick's asking about, you know, She-Hulk showing up in Born Again. I mean, Born Again to me is shaping up to be probably one of the biggest series, most important series in the in this phase of the MCU. Because as fun as She-Hulk was, and as irreverent as the humor was, and all that sort of stuff. Um, Born Again is a pretty serious story arc. Now, we don't know if Marvel's going to change that up or not, but how does like how is She-Hulk and all these other characters going to fit into that that story arc? I mean, I, I imagine not all of it will be serious, but still, you know, that's that's my thing with Born Again. It's like, wow, that's going to be a really important turning point. Um, so how do, how do they all fit into that? I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I, uh... I think it's gonna. I think I think this is one of those. I'm in a very much a wait and see mode with this. There's so many rumors surrounding what could be or what will be uh, on this 18 episode series um, because it's what we nerds do. I wish I had a better answer for you, Dave. I'm sorry, I have failed you. Tony's just gonna say it's all Marvel, so I'll move on to Ray. I mean, I I just I just see these things differently than the way you guys see them. Marvel's always had different sections. So there's Marvel, the street-level Marvel. There's Marvel Cosmic. There's Marvel Horror, things of that nature. So 
when you're thinking about this show in particular, my only concern about the show would possibly be the tone. Because when you have characters like Spidey and you have characters like She-Hulk, the tone and you have a character who, with what we've been given, and quite frankly, if you look at most of his comics, Daredevil is more of a serious, has more of a serious tone. Um, so my concern would be, would they be able to, to mix that perfectly? Like it made sense for Daredevil to me, for Daredevil to be a bit more, a bit less guarded and a little more jovial and willing to be happy because he wasn't in, he wasn't in Hell's Kitchen. He was in LA when he goes home. I wonder, so that'll be my only concern, but I think they'll knock out the park out. They'll be fine. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I wonder, there's all kinds of rumors as to other things that may happen at that. I've heard rumors of the Mayor Fist storyline becoming a thing. I've heard, uh, you know, do we, just, the Born Again storyline itself is, is huge as it is. And I guess we'll all have to wait and see. All right, guys, we're coming up on the end of our show here. I do have one last question. Will there be a She-Hulk season two? Yes or no? Off the cuff, Ray Cash. No, she'll probably be a movie character after this. Easy time. Yes, there will be a season two. She asked Kevin see you on the big screen, and he said no. So she will continue to be a streaming character and incorporate new characters into the MCU. Sorry. David Ungar. I think there's a season two. She'll be in the movies, of course, as well, Young Avengers and that sort of thing. But there'll be a season two of this. It's too successful. One of the most successful shows they've done. Controversial, yes, but you don't turn away from that. Money-making. I, lo- I love how you guys took a yes or no question and only Ray got it right. No, there will be a season two. I, I do think there'll be a season two. Not right in the sense that he answered, he just, he answered quickly. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now that I've effectively pissed off the entire bandwagon, made enemies of the three of them once again this week. Before we get out of there, before we get out of here, please, once around the room, tell everybody where they can find you in the socials and how they can listen to you on the Chair Shot Radio Network. This week, we will start with the Reverend Ray Cash. Well, you can find me at uh, HulkKing47, um, a.k.a. It's Ray Cash. Don't don't be that guy. It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y's Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. PC Tony. You can find me in the Court Vision Fantasy Basketball League, whooping up on guys like Ray Cash and uh, Outsider Carl, you know, DPP and, and the such. And make sure you're listening to everything Chair Shot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms. David Ungar. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Dodger Fans Tears Make Me Happy. No, I'm just <laughs> At Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Sorry, Dodger fans. You guys suck. You're not sorry. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist, that is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Tony, yes? What's up? I thought you might have changed it to I Now Hate Hall & Oates. No, I, I still love Hall & Oates. Just don't go see them live. Uh, you can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network every Monday here on the bandwagon with these three curmudgeons. Every Tuesday with David Ungar talking hockey and music. And every Wednesday with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. 
that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and break the fourth wall. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Got you here? Oh, wait, you are sitting? What's with all the daddy issues? We got Tony Stark, daddy issues. Jen. Thor, daddy issues. Loki, same daddy, same issues. Oh, boy. Star-Lord, two daddies, two issues. Jen, please stop. Oh, and when are we getting the X-Men? I cannot tell you that. Okay, back to She-Hulk. I do have some thoughts about the direction of season two. You will not be able to access the K-E-V-I-N again. What? That error on our platform has been fixed. The... That's it? We're done? That's it? You obliterated the thrilling ending Kevin formulated. Well, yeah, that's what Hulks do. We smash things. Bruce smashes buildings, I smash fourth walls and bad endings. And sometimes Matt Murdock. Okay, now get back to the show. See you on the big screen. Really? No. Aw, whatever, Kevin. Should I transform back or is it, what's the most budget-friendly way to do this? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.